morning. Uh, I'm glad, I'm always glad to come to church on a Sunday morning and just be with other people that desire to take time out of their busy life and to stop and reflect and spend time worshiping God. And that's, that's always an exciting thing, whether it's sitting in Sunday school or eating a donut together, or if you're my kid complaining that they ran out of donuts when he gets here. Uh, but I enjoy the opportunity every Sunday morning to gather together uh, as a church, uh, as part of the body of Christ. And so I'm grateful to share God's Word with you this morning. I'm also very grateful for those of you who were able to uh, come out to the park uh, yesterday. Yesterday we had a uh, little meeting in the park. We Lots of ministries going on yesterday as uh, we were over Adopt-A-Block over here at the apartments. We were in the park, and in the park we had an opportunity to talk to some people and invite them. But I think one of the coolest things that happened uh, was watching people try to steal bowling pins from Carl. Uh, no, but uh, it was the enjoyable time that a church got together and just had fun. Uh, and we invited people to join us doing that. And that's what, that's what following Jesus is all about. Uh, we are people that are enjoying life. And if, and if you're not following Jesus, we just want you to join us doing that. Because it's a lot of fun. Uh, we, we have another one coming up in July, Saturday the 15th. Same time if you want to join us then. Uh, but before we jump into God's Word, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You that we can gather together in a place that is safe, that has air conditioning, that, that provides comforts for us that we don't necessarily need or deserve. Father, we thank You that we can gather together as people united in one common thing. Our lives may sometimes take different journeys and paths, but here this morning we can gather together with one goal in mind, as that is to honor You with our lives and our worship this morning. And so Father, I thank You for the gifts that You've given to us. The ability to sing and play instruments. The ability to love on our neighbors. The ability to gather together to teach, to, to worship, to learn. And so Father, this morning as we hear Your Word, I pray that we just hear You. That we see Your Word in Scripture. And that as we, as we hear it, and as it comes into our hearts and our minds, that it changes who we are, not because of anything that was played up here or said, but because You, God, You, God, have created us and called us back to You through Jesus. And so, Father, this morning, I want it to all be about You. And so, Father, we just pray that You would speak to us through Your Word this morning. Uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Uh, this morning we are going to be in Romans chapter 8, and we're just going to touch on three short verses. And these three 
short verses are an interlude between what you heard last week uh, and something important coming uh, that Pastor Joe will share on next week. So last week, if you don't remember, Paul, at the beginning of chapter 8, begins to explain who we are and what our belief in Christ means for us. And so if you don't know uh, what we talked about last week, last week we heard that because of our belief, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, if you believe that in your heart, then in your life there is no condemnation. Now that is an amazing and exciting thing to think about. I want you to imagine what that means for your life. I'm not talking about just the past sins you did before you came to meet Jesus. I'm talking about right now in this present day and the mistakes that we may often make. Because of our life in Christ, there is no condemnation. We serve a God who, because of Christ's death on the cross, allowed us to be adopted into His family. And that's not just a future promise of Follow Jesus, and one day you'll be in heaven. While that's true, it's also a present-day truth that here and now we can walk with God. That even though we are sinners who, because of our flesh, could not fulfill the law required to save us, our faith in Christ can bring us into fellowship with God, allowing us to follow Him. No way could we ever attain holiness through the law. And so yet Christ gave his life for us. Today's passage comes after explaining that if people follow Christ, they're free from the death of flesh. And they can find peace in the life now and serve the kingdom here. And so as we walk with Christ, we have reassurance of the journey we take. When we come to know Christ, our journey begins. And and here's here's the thing. I wish I could say that journeying with Christ is simple and easy and it's just a happy, joyful journey. And there are a lot of preachers out there that would say that's the case. They would say that if you follow Jesus, you will be healthy and wealthy and life will be great. And the reality is the Scripture doesn't promise that anywhere. Scripture doesn't promise that everything will be perfect and amazing as we go through life. What Scripture promises is that God is with us and those who believe in Jesus. Because here's the thing, journeys can be tough. See, I feel like there's a couple different types of travelers. All right, people that take journeys. There's the destination seekers. All right, those that, if you ever go on a trip, what you're looking forward to is not the traveling It's getting to where you're going. You want to be there. So maybe you pay a little more money to just fly there as fast as possible so you can just be there and enjoy the time you're there. And then there's the 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 stop-along-the-way travelers where they want to see the world's largest ball of yarn, every little unique gas station, every little cool thing along the way, And when they get to their destination, they have some amazing stories they'd like to tell. I had an aunt that was one of those travelers. And every time my mom said she was driving our trip, I was like, oh, man. Like she would, 
We'd be like, there's the highway just right there, and we would be off of it 10 miles driving through every little town and seeing all these things. And she'd be like, have you ever eaten at this restaurant? And I'd be like, I've never even heard of this town. And she's like, it's amazing. And so we'd stop and eat there, and then we'd literally drive five miles to another town and have ice cream. And I was like, it was a six-hour trip. Why did it take us so long? Uh, and they, but they enjoy the story along the way. But then there's me and my family, and I don't know if it's my fault or what, but I just hate traveling, period. Like, it's, it's not enjoyable to me. I don't like being in the car. I don't like personally driving. And, and the destination doesn't honestly make me that excited. Even if it's my family or going to someplace really cool, I dread the journey along the way. And, and honestly, I'm a terrible traveler. So we often... Uh, Both of our, Jenny and my families, don't live very far away, less than three hours if you just actually drove. And oftentimes what happens is even in like a two and a half hour journey, we have stopped for like an hour and a half and just walked around. And it's not like we saw anything cool. It's like we stopped at a rest stop and it took us a half an hour. Uh, We're just slow, poor travelers. And and we never seem to get to our destination quickly. And, and, as I, and as I read this passage and I thought about my own journey with Christ, I thought, I definitely don't want to travel to Jesus the way I do. Uh, just meandering along the way and eventually getting there. And the excitement of the end is not as exciting enough for me. And seeing all the little details along the way isn't exciting to me. What I want is as I travel through life here on earth and, and, and look forward to the end with Christ and God in heaven, I want the journey to be amazing. I want to take both parts of those travelers and I want to see the little things along the way and enjoy them with the expectation of what comes at the end. I don't want to just stop and miss everything that God has. See, here's the thing. When we follow Jesus and, and we live a life where we desire to be with Him, and we start traveling that road and that journey, all kinds of things are going to happen. And I don't want to miss out on those because the reward at the end of the journey is so amazing. Paul in Hebrews chapter 12, he talks about what our journey is and he calls it a race. And And it's not just any race. It's not like, all right, guys, wake up today, run a hundred meter dash and you're done in life. All right, that would be good. I, we would, I would be done already. I ran a lot of those in high school, so my journey would be over. Now, what he says is it's, it's more like a marathon. Now, how many of you wake up in the morning, maybe Elias, but how many of the rest of us wake up in the morning and are like, man, today I would like to run a marathon? Okay, Jacqueline, yes, Jacqueline probably does. Uh, but the majority of us, that, that's not an exciting thing. And Paul says our journey is going to be like a race. And it's going to be long, and it's going to be challenging, and it's going to be tough, and there's going to be training needed along the way. And it's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be easy. And Christ made this very clear to his disciples. Uh, One of the things that Christ does, and that God made it clear to us, is every time Christ explains something amazing that the disciples are going to do or be part of, He also tells them the reality and the challenges that are going to come with it. 
He told the disciples, hey, come follow me and leave everything behind and not be of the world and die to self and pick up your cross and prepare to be hated. He made sure that we, they understood and knew that the journey was going to be tough. It was going to be a hard road to walk. But what he did tell them One of the last things he told him is he was sitting with them in the upper room and he said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you because my father has many rooms. And so they're like, but we want to come with you. And Jesus is like, no, you can't come with me. You can't go where I'm going. And they were sad because they're like, we're following Jesus. We want to do what Jesus is doing. And that's a great attitude. But this is what he said. He said, I'm going to leave you with a helper. A comforter, an, insur- an assurer of, of what you signed up and agreed upon. The disciples did not walk easy journeys, but man, did they see God do some amazing things. So we, we find the same assurance in these three verses that the disciples received from Jesus that our journey is not of the flesh, but of the spirit, and that's a good thing for us. And as we face the challenges and trials of life, the Spirit who was able to raise Christ from the dead walks with us, restoring us. And so Paul, in verse 9, begins this discussion of encouragement along this journey. And I want to read that to you. Chapter 8 in Romans, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And we're going we're gonna to stop there for a minute. And Paul, Paul is addressing the, the church in Rome and he is reminding them that as they have started their journey with Christ, they are no longer of the flesh. The flesh that pers- pushed them to pursue things of the world, that trapped them in sin, that made them hostile toward God. That flesh is no longer in control of their lives. And I want to make that clear, and this is one of the things that you get with following Jesus. You are no longer controlled by your sinful desires, and Paul wants to make that clear. He knows his audience. He's no longer talking about the flesh and how it's hostile towards God and how it controlled us and how it could never fulfill the law. Now he has switched into full encouragement mode, and he's saying, hey, That's not your life anymore. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I don't know what following Jesus looks like, what it looks like is freedom. Freedom from the entrapment of sin of the flesh. And so they, by their belief in Christ and Christ's gifts, have been overtaken and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God Himself, lives within believers but there's a second part to verse 9 and it says anyone who does not have the spirit of christ does not belong to him see i i I think we can read this and perceive this as a warning A, a sort of paul encourages us that we've moved on from the flesh and now we can live in the spirit and now there's this this almost perception of warning of hey if the spirit's not in you you're not with god But I don't think Paul is using this as a way to discourage people. I think Paul is saying this as an encouragement to us. 
Those who are walking with Christ have the Spirit of God dwelling within them. And they should take note of the amazing things that God is doing in their lives because of it. The Holy Spirit dwelling in believers was a promise from Christ before His death. A promise that He would always be with His followers. See, that's what, that's what God promises God created man and it was good and man sinned. And the whole time God had a plan to be with his people. And the promise was fulfilled through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. He didn't abandon the disciples. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within them. And his promise to them was greater things you'll see because of it. And so are we seeing greater things in our lives as we follow Jesus because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And so the question must be asked, can we be sure the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us? How do we know? How do we know if we're a believer in Christ? How do we know if God dwells within inside of us? How do we know that the flesh is not still controlling us? How can we tell? What do we do? And see, I think there are stages in our faith, in our journey, that we often ask that question. And maybe you've never had that thought come into your mind. Maybe you follow Jesus and you've never wondered, what if? But I am not one of those people. Uh, I am one of those people that have many times, after I was saved, when I was in college, and there's probably been a few bad weeks where I've sat in my office and thought, God, am I really serving you? Is this for real? Partially out of amazement and partially out of my own sin or, or whatever it may be. And so I've asked the question, how do I know? And, and Paul answers this in verse 10. But he also gives us another picture in Scripture, which I think is the most clear picture in all of Scripture, a perfect test. A test to know if the Spirit of God dwells within us. And you may know this very well, but it's in Galatians chapter 5 where Paul is writing a letter to the church in Galatia. And he begins to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And he says the fruit of the Spirit comes from a life filled with the Holy Spirit. Alright, really easy to remember. Fruit of the Spirit. Spirit produces fruit. All right. So if if the if a fruit is being produced, that means there is life there. So if we are people whom the Holy Spirit dwells within, then there will be changes in who we are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These changes will be evident in the life of a believer. These fruits are not just words or concepts or ideas, but they are actual changes that occur because of the Holy Spirit. Now, I remember in high school, uh, I remember I, I got saved in high school. I was sitting in a lock-in, and uh, I was sitting there, and the pastor, the, the youth pastor, which eventually became my youth pastor, he shared the gospel. And I remember sitting there hearing it and going, yep, yep. Yep, like, I believe this. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I'd heard this my whole life. And I remember afterwards, after he, he stopped talking, he passed out these little cards. And the cards 
had some questions on it that you were supposed to fill out. And it was to kind of, for him to gauge what we were hearing and what was going on in our lives. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to be honest on this. And it was like, do you know God? And I was like, of course. Of course I know God and believe in God. And then it was like, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And I was like, I think so. And I began to ask questions. And what I realized was I didn't know God. And I didn't know Jesus. I knew of them. And so as I sat there and I listened and I said, I believe all of these things, but I need something in my life. I need this. And so that was when my life began to change. And, and so here was the cool thing. So I went back. Uh, I, when I was in high school, we were still in the day and age where every person didn't have a cell phone, so you couldn't just text your friends. And I went to a school out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so over Christmas break, we just did not, you just didn't talk to your friends. All right, that was just the way it was. It was you know, 15 miles to travel there. And if you called, your parents were going to be not happy because it was long distance everywhere we called. And it, that was back in the day when long distance was like 25 cents a minute. If you can remember that, just, it's just crazy. I remember calling a friend once for like 10 minutes and whoo. Uh, so, so I had a friend and, and I came back to school and I didn't know this at the time, but I, I began to share the gospel with my friends. Like I was so excited about what I'd heard and what God had told me. And so I, I was telling my friends, hey, this is what Jesus did and this is what I believe and this is what I'm doing, and I remember him asking, well, is this going to change you? And I thought, well, I don't know. Like, no, I'm going to be the same person. And what I didn't realize was there were changes taking place. There were things that were changing in my life, my attitude towards things, my heart, and it was the Holy Spirit working in my life. And so here's what eventually happened throughout the course of the next few years in high school. Uh, I drew closer and closer to Jesus, and my friendship with Him drew farther and farther apart. And that was a really hard thing for me at the time. Like, we had been friends since we were little, but my relationship with Jesus called me to a different journey. And it wasn't that I pushed Him away. It was He had no desire to enter into that. And so I thought at first, well, I'm not going to change, but these huge changes started happening in my life. I, I remember one of the biggest ones right away was I, I had a really, really colorful vocabulary. Uh, and I, it, I knew it was bad, but when everyone around you has a colorful vocabulary, so do you. Uh, and what I realized was it was like immediately gone. Like, it was one of those things that I don't know if God just knew I wouldn't be able to handle, and it's not a thing I struggle with now, but, but it, it, was, it was a very livid, I could have very nice conversations without using any English words. Uh, and, and it was bad, and I realized that the Spirit had begun manifesting in my life, and these things began to come out. And I didn't understand at that time what it meant to, to be controlled by the flesh and live in the Spirit, but man, did I see, did I see God doing amazing things in my life. That doesn't mean it hasn't been hard or that I haven't walked through all kinds of crazy things. 
but, it, but I've seen the manifestation of the Spirit in my life. I've seen more joy and peace and patience and all of those things. And so here in verse 10, Paul expounds upon this idea. And he says, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now we have a kind of a weird beginning to verse 10, and it says, But if Christ is in you. Right? Paul didn't all of a sudden forget who he was talking to. Like he is not asking the question like, are you sure Christ is in you? He's actually saying it more as, even though Christ is in you. All right, this, this is a statement that is very true for us today. Even though Christ dwells in the believers, our body is still dying. And what that means is our body is still under the effects of sin. And even though we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ... Even though we have been made righteous by the Spirit, Paul says, our bodies are still falling apart. We've been made right in the eyes of God because of our faith in Jesus Christ, and yet there are still consequences to not just our sin, but the sins of the world. And I, when I say the sins of the world, I'm not talking about people sinning and that having effect on you. I'm talking about the very fact that we live in a fallen world that sin has completely and utterly corrupted. The world is not, was not created the way it is today. And even though we are, we are followers of Christ and the Spirit of God dwells within us, that doesn't mean there still aren't effects of whether it's our own sin or the sin of the world in general. And so our body will remain under destruction. But again, I don't think this is a discouragement by Paul. I think he's encouraging us. He's encouraging us in a way I don't often think that we would think that even in the process of our body decaying and the destruction that is going to come, we as believers have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. See, along our journeys, we... We go through pains, we deal with sin, and sin, sin has really taken its toll on us. It's taken its toll on the world. And, and even as believers, it's still at the very forefront of our lives. It's still something we have to deal with. And I think, I think with this idea, though, is one of the most remarkable and amazing things about God's grace for our lives. And what I mean by that is I want you to think about this. We, we live in a sinful world. Our bodies were controlled and utterly ran by sin. And we have a God that was willing to come into us and dwell there. A, a God who is offering such grace to us that even in the midst of of who we are in sin, He was willing to step in. And not only that, but, but God Himself through Jesus, Jesus stepped down into this world full of sin. And He stepped into it knowing full well that His own physical body would pay the price for that. Like we are decaying and dying, but Jesus already 2,000 years ago said, I'm going to step in, and I'm going to take away all of that sin for all of those who believe in me. 
How great is God's grace that He would step down and receive the punishment? Like God could have not made the promise with Noah and His people sinned, just kept wiping them off the face of the earth. That would be the fully just God that we serve. But how great is God's grace that He would choose to dwell within His believers. And that even in the midst of a world full of sin and destruction, He would dwell within us and allow us to be part of some of the most amazing things here on earth. I find so much joy in being able to serve God in all kinds of things. I found joy yesterday when we were in the park and some of the students allowed me to just kick a giant ball at them over and over again. All right, there was lots of joy there. Uh, I was there to serve God, whether it was just being with our church or to talk to people, but there was joy in the midst of things like that. All right, we get to be part of things like that. We get to have peace in hard situations because of the Holy Spirit. We get to find joy in tough situations. We, we get to be able to actually have self-control and have faith in what God is doing because God promised to send a Savior and because Jesus said, I'm not going to leave my followers alone. And so those of us who believe in Jesus have the Spirit of God dwelling within us because of Christ's death. See, this is another one of those future, present promises. There's a promise that we will be made right before God in eternity, but there's a promise here and now that the Spirit will dwell in us and we get to enjoy what God is doing here on earth. See, through, through Christ's death and the Holy Spirit, we're given a new perspective on life. Uh, if you follow Jesus, even if it's been for a day or you just did it right now, you're like, I want whatever this crazy guy is talking about. Uh, you, st- things start to change. And, and one of the coolest pictures or ideas I say, thought of as I was reading was we begin to see colors for real. Now, some of you may be colorblind. I don't know. Uh, but you should look this up sometime. Uh, God has... God has gifted people with some amazing, amazing imagination and the ability to create some pretty amazing things. Uh, so they have created uh, glasses uh, that they don't work on every colorblind person, but they, were, they are working on a majority of them that allows them for the first time to see color. And you can go on YouTube and watch some of these videos, and it's amazing to see people's reactions. Like fully colorblind people that see black and white and grayish, that's kind of their color spectrum, to see vivid, beautiful colors. And I think that's what happens when we come into a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. We begin to see life for what it truly is. Like in the midst of a sinful world, we see beauty. And we start thinking about things in a totally different mindset. And it's crazy to people. Like every time it snows, even a lot, and I don't want to go shovel, all I can think about is that God has put white down to show us that everything can be cleaned. 
And as it rains and pours and floods, that's hard to deal with and there's pain in that. But what I think about is that God is bringing life through water. And so we begin to see and our change of perspective begins to change and we begin to see the beauty in the world because the Holy Spirit dwells in us and our lives change because of it. And so we experience the work of the Holy Spirit and even though our body is failing and our life has an end, we're seeing the world in these beautiful and bright colors. And, even, and, and we as believers know and are certain that the end is not the end. That's one of the most beautiful things. We, we know that our bodies are going to die. And we're okay with that. And a lot of people think that's crazy. But we're okay with that because we know what's coming. We know what is promised. And this is what Paul says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. If God, through the Holy Spirit, was able to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, how much will He also be able to raise us? And so we have a life where we can live filled with the Holy Spirit and see what God is doing around us and see the beauty of creation and of God's people, even in the midst of sin. And we can look forward to the day that we will stand before God created with new bodies. Redeemed. Everything is not lost to death, but still we have even more to look forward to. See, Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, or sorry, chapter 4, verse 16 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. What a great encouragement. And I, and I want you to be encouraged this morning because what God has promised us has come true. Jesus promised to go and prepare a place for us. And he, in the, the second promise was that He's going to leave a helper with us. And that the believers of God, the Spirit would dwell within Him. And so if we have seen the Spirit change us, then we can also know that the promise that Jesus is preparing a place for us reigns true. And so we can go through our journey of life in a totally different manner. I want to encourage you today that we deal with all kinds of stuff. Each one of us in our families walk through different struggles or different challenges. We have different giftings, but we gather together as a body and we can celebrate what Christ has done. We can directly see the effects of sin on our lives and the lives around us. Just turn the news on. But what we can also see is how the Spirit of God changes not only us, but the things around us. And I want to encourage you to see that and celebrate and worship that. Worship what God is doing and be excited about who God is because what He is willing to do in our lives. Praise God that He would be so graceful and loving to His people. See, the challenge is it doesn't always make the suffering easier. 
or the hardships easier. But what it is is a promise. A promise from Jesus, a promise from God, reiterated here through Paul, that even though the world is breaking around us, we are being renewed and await something far better. And so as you take your journey in life, and you take a forced detour that God put you in, or you choose to detour yourself, where you stop at some weird little gas station along the way. I don't recommend any BPs in the South, though. Uh, but as you, as you journey through life, as you go through all kinds of things, and you deal with hardships, and you deal with these things, be encouraged, because God has not abandoned His people. God is not sitting up there and then created everything and He walked away to let it off on its own. God created everything and then He dug in because He knew what He had created and while it was good, it sinned and it went against Him. And, and He still dug in and said, I want you to come follow Me. And so even as the world is breaking and your journey is tough, I want you to remember one thing, that God does not abandon His people. And you can know that if you follow Him and if you say, I, I, I'm not following Him, it's, it's really easy to get started. It's all about confessing our sins and believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead. And then when He died on that cross, He took every single sin that we committed now in the past and that we will commit. And that as He rose from the dead, He conquered death which means we can feel God's grace because we don't have to fear it anymore. And so how great is our God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your promises coming true. Your promise to redeem Your people through Jesus. Your promise through Jesus to never leave us. Your promise through the Holy Spirit to redeem our spirits, Lord. To walk with us in every phase of life. To change who we are so we can look more like Jesus. And Father, I thank You for the roads and the journeys we get to travel. No matter how hard or challenging they mean, no matter how hard people how hard things people have to go through. No matter what people are going through right now, Lord, I hope and pray that all You show to us is the grace You've given us through Jesus. That if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know You as Lord and Father, that they would come to understand what it means for Christ to have died on the cross for their sins. The forgiveness that that has allowed in our lives and the grace that we get to see poured out through the Spirit, and the changes that come. Father, I pray that we as, as followers can see those changes clearly. That we can celebrate what You are doing through us. And so Father, I just thank You this morning. I thank You for all that You do for us. And all that You will. We thank You for future and present promises. Father, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, we are going to sing the hymn, By Faith.
Uh, By Faith is a song written about chapter 11 of Hebrews, and it talks about creation to the patriarchs, the prophets, and then the coming of the Messiah, the establishment of the church, and its mission to go into the world proclaiming Christ. And the idea is that we one day will stand tall on the shoulders of those who went before us, and we will have the same faith that they had in God. And so this morning as we sing by faith, I hope that we can see that we live our lives by faith and see the amazing thing God does.